First of all, let me wish you all a happy Father's Day and the mothers too. Okay, <laughs> uh, I have a quote that you might enjoy. It's, uh, it says, fathers are men who give daughters away to other men who aren't nearly as good enough so that they can have children that are smarter than everyone else's. And to this, uh, a frustrated father was once heard to have said, by the time a man is old enough to recognize that his father was right, he has a son who thinks he is wrong. Amen. All right. I <laughs> just thought that was very apt. Okay, but all joking aside, and regardless what kind of father we might have had, I'd like to first of all remember that God himself is our heavenly father. And this is the day that we can celebrate him as our father. Amen? Uh, if there's no one else in our life. After all, it is he who protects us, provides for us, and is willing to give his best for us. Now, I have three examples of this. First of all, in John chapter 3, verse 16, remember again, Jesus said, For God so loved the world. Now, we know the rest of the scripture, but I want to just focus on those two words, so loved, that God so loved, and God so loves us. And the reason why in James chapter 1 and verse 17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. I think it's really interesting. He says, Father of lights, not God of lights. Amen? Shows us that He is Father to us. And the, uh, the reason why when the disciples asked him, teach us how to pray, the first words that Jesus uttered was our father. And I think he really wanted to bring across the fact that God was father to us. Right. Amen. And not just God look, you know, looking at us from some distant planet, <laughs> okay, heaven, and you know, just every so often takes a glimpse. He is very interested in our life. He really wants to know what's going on in our life, and he wants to provide for us, for our life. And that's why... In Matthew chapter 6, which is the third scripture I'll give you, in verses 31 through 33, again, verses that we all know. But there Jesus says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? All the things that we are concerned about that a lot of times people say, well, God doesn't care about those things. You know, he really does because Jesus goes on to say, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. This is in Matthew 6.32. And he says, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, which tells us something really important. And that is God is interested in all of our daily affairs. Amen. He wants to clothe us. He wants to feed us. He wants to look after us. Hallelujah. And which is the reason why he provided salvation for us, which is the first scripture we looked at, that he so loved all of us that he gave his very best. He gave his only begotten son so that we could be saved and come into his family. Amen. And so I just think today we can thank God for that and we can celebrate God as our father just in that that we have a father that cares so much for us. He was willing to go to extraordinary lengths to redeem us and also look after us in every way, the littlest and the big things. And why I really like uh, what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33 when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The reason is God loves you so much. If you go after he, the things that uh, he says that after his kingdom, then you put him in a position to bless you. Which is why he, and that's what it says when he goes in to say, and all these things shall be added to you. In other words, he's saying, if you go after God, your father, if you let go of all the things out there, and if you focus on God as your father, then he will be able to look after you and bless you and do incredible things in your life. Amen. And again, a day to celebrate God as our father. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's a good, that's good news. Amen. Amen. So today, among other things, we will celebrate God as our Father, who gave us everything He had 
to make our all our days good. And why the psalmist says in Psalm 118 and verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Every day with God is a day God made for you. That's why it says, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice. We will rejoice and be glad. Amen? In it. And we need to approach every day that way. And again, it's as we focus on the fact that God is our Father, as we celebrate God as our Father, then we can begin to celebrate all our days that God has made for us. Amen? That we can enjoy life and we can say, thank you God for a good day. You know it's a good way to start your day. You know, don't, <laughs> don't be like the world, oh, it blew Monday, you know. Hey man, every, Monday is the same color as all the other days. You know, it's, <laughs> you decide if you want to be blue or not, you know, amen. You know, and the thing is that with God on our side, and the Bible tells us that God is on our side, we can have fantastic days every day. Now, yes, we are living in a fallen world, and yes, the enemy attacks us. And that's a fact of life. But God is always there. And if we don't blame him for stuff in our life, then he will be there to help us with the stuff in our life. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, turning to Exodus chapter 20, let's, go and ch- let's now have a look at uh, natural fathers for just a moment and the blessing that is attached. It says in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, this is, by the way, the fifth commandment that God gave. And it says there, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And <clears throat> this is something that is repeated in Deuteronomy and all through the Gospels. And But the verses I want to look at are what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, where he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. It is not the first commandment, but it is the first commandment with a promise. Isn't that interesting? Because remember Deuteronomy said, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long. It says there is, a, there is a blessing attached to honoring them. Amen? And so he says, that's the reason why the Apostle Paul, I'm jumping around in scriptures, I'm sorry. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul goes on to say, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 3, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Amen? Always think of, you know, Spock in, in Star Trek. Live long and prosper. <laughs> I'm sorry, every time I read those words, I think about that. But, you know, that's a Bible verse. Do you know where that comes from, don't you? That's Third John too. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Live long and prosper. Even as your soul prospers. Eh, they took everything from us, man. We should stop doing that, okay? <laughs> anyway, so... Again, he says there's a, there is the first of the commandments that come with a promise is this one. And so it is, there is an importance attached to it here. And I think it is important that we uh, acknowledge it. Amen? And uh, uh, be obedient to it. In fact, obedience has to do with action. And when you have the right attitude behind the right act of obedience, then you show honor. And that's really what we're doing here. And again, you know, like I said, this isn't just about obeying your natural parents. It's obeying God the Father as well. You know, if, it, because it says if you're willing and obedient, I think it's in Isaiah somewhere, it says if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best that the land has to offer. Do you know why? Because willing and obedience toward God then brings about a blessing because God is the one that created all things. And it's a funny thing how the earth responds to those that honor God and honor its creator. 
even a fallen world. Amen. It's, it's an incredible thing. That's the reason why, you know, the land suffers so much today because people are dishonoring God. Because they're going against the things that he set in, in motion. They are deciding that, you know, black is white and wrong is right. <laughs> and I won't go into any more details than that. And, you know, the, the, <laughs> yeah, and, and the earth begins to suffer because it, it, the people are bringing sin into this earth. They are bringing a disharmony that is detaching themselves from God. And this earth was created by him. All things were created by him and for him. And when people start to do things that are uh, in opposition to that, the earth begins to suffer. It actually has problems with it. And that's why it talks about earthquakes and all sorts of things that begin to happen. Do you know it's an earth that is in pain? Which is why it talks about that it's waiting for the sons of God, that's all of us, ladies as well, to be revealed because on that day, then we will bring in God's presence once again and this earth will once again be in the place where it was designed and created to be, having God's anointing on it, God's blessing on it, and the Creator's hand and approval on it. Amen? Hallelujah. And we all want God's hand on our lives and God's approval in our life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So let's move on here. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. You know, <laughs> this is for natural fathers now. Because, you know, sometimes natural fathers can get kind of, you know, like, well, you have to honor me now. See, the Bible says. Yeah, <laughs> okay. And some people can get that way. Can I just say this? If a father demands honor, <clears throat> there's a problem there. Because honor should be given freely. It should be something that is earned, not demanded. Amen? And that's the reason why the Apostle Paul, after he says to honor your mother and your father in verse 2, that it might be well with you and you might live long in verse 3, he then goes to talk to the fathers in verse 4 and says, you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. In other words, don't make it hard for them to do the right thing. <laughs> okay? He's saying, I'm telling them to do the right thing by you. Can you please make it easy for them? Because you guys can drive your kids nuts. Some, have you noticed how some fathers just, you know, and the sons just, you know, remember in, in The Simpsons, you know, and, and then a little tongue. And <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of animosity between fathers and sons out there, you know. And I just think, I think one of the reasons is that, you know, kids, expect their parents to be perfect. They grow up that way. You know, they, they, when they're little and you take care of them, you feed them, you look after them, you clothe them, you do everything for them. You, whether you realize it or not, you are in a sense, and please take this the right way with a little g, you are God of their life. Do you understand? God means provider in that sense. And you provide for them in every way possible. So they grow up looking at you like, wow, you're perfect. And then the first time you'd make a mistake, they freak out. Because you're not meant to make mistakes. You're perfect. What is wrong? <laughs> you know? And, I, and, and if you make enough mistakes, that turns into uh, this animosity. It turns into anger. It turns into all sorts of things. And then we have problems with, you know, between fathers and sons, so to speak. Do you understand what I'm saying? And daughters or whatever. And that's the reason why the Apostle Paul is saying you need to be careful. Don't provoke your children to wrath. Don't do things that you know that you know are wrong. I mean, I can say this, you know, sometimes fathers provoke their wives to wrath. 
They know not to throw their socks on the floor, but they do it anyway. And other items of clothing. I won't go into details. You know, they just lay them on the carpet. <laughs> it's just like, dude, you don't do that in the office. Don't do it at home. You hope you don't do it at the office. You know, you know, and I'm trying to say, you can do stuff that you know is not right, that upsets everybody. And you know, it's a thing in the world that there's, you know, there are parents that just do that. They just do stuff that they know the kids hate, but they do it anyway, because bless God, they're the boss. And I think sometimes because, again, this is, this is my opinion now. I think because, you know, sometimes these people go to work, and, and, you know, their boss treats them badly and they come home and they want to feel like they're the boss somewhere. So they just do whatever they want. Just kind of, the way they're being sort of taken advantage of at work, they just do that at home and expect everybody to just get on, get in line with that. And who cares if you don't like it? Because they get that at work. So that, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Misery loves company. So <laughs> I just think don't bring that stuff home. You know, one day you're going to be gone from that workplace, but you're still going to have a home. And if you don't look after this, you won't have this either. One day they'll, they'll, they'll retire you, and one day your family will retire from you. They'll just go, well, thank God I'm old enough, I'm leaving, see you later, bye. And then you're sitting there going, well, I don't understand. Well, gee, I wonder why. Anyway, <laughs> let's not go there today. Well, we did, we did. Sorry about that. Anyway, back to this. <laughs> Psalm 103 and verse 13 gives us some good advice. It says, as a father has compassion on his children. That's what a father is meant to do. Instead of, you know, <laughs> as the, uh, the Apostle Paul says, provoke them to wrath. Instead of doing that, you are meant to have compassion. Amen? And as, as parents, we need to learn to have compassion on our kids. It says, as a father has compassion on the children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. In other words, we need to understand that in the way that we treat our kids is the way that we are saying, God, this is the way we want you to treat us as well. Remember, he's father to all of us. And whatever you sow, you reap. If you treat your kids with compassion, then you know what? God will treat you with compassion. That's the reason why the apostle James says, show mercy. Because if you show, if you judge, then that judgment will come on you. But if you show mercy, then God's mercy will override his judgment in your life. Isn't that interesting? I think that's extraordinary. A lot of people don't understand the significance of that. Because there's a lot of things that, you know, we're not perfect. We do a lot of things that we, sometimes we know we're doing wrong. Can I get an honest amen on that one? Okay, we know it's a bad thing, but we do it anyway. But you know what? If you don't judge other people... The way you show compassion on other people, then they're going to show compassion on you when you mess up. And we all knew you knew we were doing the wrong thing, but you still messed up. But you know what? Because you have a compassionate nature, we, we can't, <laughs> it's very hard for us to judge you because, you know, you're so lovable. We just love you anyway. Amen. Learn the lesson. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Um, and as for the best kind of father we can be, I believe that's expressed in, best expressed in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Where the Apostle Paul says, follow, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I think that is the highest and best standard that we can set. We follow the Lord. As fathers, as parents, we follow the Lord. Can I say this? As we follow the Lord, then we will hear from Him the right thing to do with regard to those that look up to us. And I want you to notice as well, the Apostle Paul says, but to follow my example as I do that. In other words, if I'm not doing that, don't follow my example, <laughs> you know. Jesus said that about the, the Pharisees, you know, of his time. He said, do as they say, but not as they do. 
Because, you know, they preach the right thing, but their lives are terrible. They do stuff you, that you shouldn't be doing. But I think it's interesting that the Apostle Paul says, listen, you follow my example as I do the right thing, then follow what I do. If I'm doing the wrong thing, don't follow it. Don't ever follow blindly. You know, faith isn't blind, by the way. Okay. And as for you fathers, instruct your, instruct your children in godly ways. That is in things that are in line with God and His Word. Then what, you know, as you do that, what you are doing is opening the door for your children to walk in God's riches and best for their life. That's what we are to do. We are to model the right way to live so that our kids follow that example. And can I just say this, give you some little insight here. They will, they will do what they see more than what you say. <laughs> okay? That is a fact of life. They will follow your example. They don't hear what you say because it's all blah, blah, blah. But when you do something, they see it. And they record it. And they take it in. And sometimes fathers are going, I don't know what, you know, how he turned out to be the light. Go and look in the mirror. He's a little you. Except he can't hide it the way you hide it. (laughs) He hadn't got there yet. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, Yes, hallelujah. And that's the reason why, you know, again, he says, fathers, you do the right thing. Parents, you do the right thing. Let your kids follow your example. And then it goes in the say, and they will be blessed. And as as the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6.3, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Amen? Amen. The best, best example of a godly father, we'll finish with this, I believe is in Luke chapter 15. This is the story of the prodigal son. You all heard it, right? We, we, we go over it enough. But I'd like to just read it for today because I think it's very appropriate. Where it says here, Luke chapter 15, verse 11, and I'm going to be reading through to verse 24. It says, Then Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them, I'm in Luke 15, 12 now. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And notice he said, so he divided to them his livelihood. So in other words, both the children got their due. Okay, one didn't get all this money and the other one's like, well, where's mine? Well, that's in the bank. You know, it's earning interest. Well, I I want to use some of it. (laughs) Okay, the father does something very interesting. He says, okay, if one wants it, both can have it. Amen. So, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was fairly done. Each child got their own. That's why it is a little bit sad when the other, when, when, when the prodigal son returns, the other child is upset. When he got to live rent free, he got to eat all the food and not use any of his inheritance. Amen. What is he upset about? Can I just say this? Be careful because, you know, one of the things that this story shows us is sometimes as Christians, you know, we hang in there, we do the right thing, and we just plow through all the difficult times in our life, and we see some other brother or sister falling by the wayside, and then they decide to come back, and all is forgiven. And, you know, we can get to the place where we say, hang on a second, how come they just get to come back? I don't know if I want them to come back. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, you know, and we're just sort of thinking, we hung in there, what do we get? hey, don't take for granted all the blessings you walked in because you hung in there. Don't become one of those half, you know, half empty type of people. You look and see what was full in your life because you stayed this way. You were blessed 
Because sometimes we can get that way because we hear people saying, oh, I went into the world and I did all of these bad things and they come back and they, you know, they give their life back to God and then they go on tour because, oh, look, this is a person that was very, very bad and now they've turned good, giving hope to all the very, very bad people out there, you know, uh, something to look forward to that you too can come back to God and God will bless you. Meanwhile, the guy that's been good all of his life is going, how come I don't get to go on tour? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Okay, I think that helps. Okay. <laughs> so we can see this other son in that light. Can we see that? Okay, we can understand that. But what we need to do is understand that the prodigal son tells us that you, you walk away from God and things do get really bad. So let's just read very quickly. And it says, uh, verse 13, and not, not many days after the younger son gathered all together, all his stuff together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. <laughs> okay. Anyway, verse 14. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. Verse 15. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. So he is now working for this guy feeding pigs. Okay, and verse 16, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So he's now eating with the pigs. Okay, all right, verse uh, 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Verse 18, he says, I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer, verse 19, worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So this kid has come to the realization that he had all of this. If he just goes back to his dad, his dad is not going to treat him this way. Even the servants in his father's house, which is really interesting. There's a lesson here that in God's house, in your father's house, even the lowest are looked after. Whereas out in the world, in the devil's territory, boy, you are just out there and you are on your own and you are exposed and you can't expect anything but the worst. It will eat you up. It will use up the best of your life and spit you out when it's done with you. It will promise you everything, but it will never show you the end of all of that. Are you all with me? Amen. Verse 19. Let me just start there because I read this, but let me begin there again. And he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, which means he's repentant. And he says, make me like one of your hired servants. He's saying, look, I'm happy just to be here and be a part of the family in a serving capacity, not as a son anymore, not with any authority and, or anything like that. And so he rose, verse 20, and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and just turned his back on him and said, now you know what, friend? I don't know you. Who are you? Go away, is what we think. <laughs> okay? That is not how God is, and that's not what God does. Watch what it says. <clears throat> it says here, I love this. When he was still a, a great way off, in verse 20, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Verse 21, and he, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, I, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to, not his son, but his servants, you know what? He's just thrilled to have the kid back. And while the kid is like bawling and squalling and, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm did everything wrong. You know, the father's like, oh my God, you're back. Hey, go get stuff ready. Watch, watch, okay? 
I, I want you to understand that he doesn't look at the son with a condemning eye. Listen, the father, he says, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, which means reinstate him back to son. He is not a servant. This is my son. This is my daughter. They come back. They're still my son and my daughter, not a servant. I think this is incredible. And he says, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Verse 23, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, verse 24, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That's all God ever does. When you return, when you come to his house, he doesn't care where you've been and what you've done. He doesn't go through the whole list of, now let's have a, ooh, oh, <laughs> you did that? <laughs> you know? No, 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 there's some standards. There's a line, you know, you crossed it a lot of times. It's not what he does. <laughs> Amen? Thank God. He just says, you're back, let's just throw the list away. You're forgiven of everything. Remember, if we acknowledge our sin, son acknowledged his sin. If we acknowledge our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He forgives us, which means he doesn't bring it up again, and cleanses us of all unrighteousness, which means there's not a trace of it left. Amen? That's what's happening right now. This is how much God loves us and why Jesus says in Matthew 7, 11, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? You know, as much as we as natural parents do for our kids, what God does for us as his kids outstrips everything we could ever think of doing. Amen. He can bless us in ways that will blow your mind. You know, that's the reason why I always say, if you do anything wrong, run to God, not from God. He is your best friend. And he'll, you know, and one of the things he never does is say, well, I'll forgive you if you promise you never do this again. You will never hear those words from him. Do you know why? Because a cross paid for everything that the devil could ever entice you to do, whether knowingly or unknowingly, the cross was still more than enough. Amen. And all God ever wants us to do is just come back to him. Come back to father. Hallelujah. That's why we celebrate Father's Day. You know, it's a day to just remember God our Father. Besides our natural fathers, and we do honor our natural fathers, but it is a day to remember God our Father, that He loves us so very much, that He has everything there for us. He has planned out a life for us that is extraordinary, which is the reason why He wants us to come back to Him, because He's got such good plans for us. And if we just stick with that, we will excel at everything that we do and we'll be blessed in ways that we can't even imagine. Amen? This is what the Apostle James made reference to again when he said, and let me finish with this, in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, you will never get anything less than his best. He's never going to have a bad day when you go to him and says, today, I don't feel like forgiving you. <laughs> okay? No, you'll never catch him like that because God is light and God is love. Love is kind. Love is patient. Suffers long. Doesn't hold a grudge. All those wonderful things. That's who you go back to. Amen? And that's what we have in our life. And that's the reason why we can truly celebrate Father's Day in honor of God our Father. If nothing else, we've got that.
Amen. And for those of us that are blessed with good fathers, like I am, uh, we have twice the reason to be glad and to, to rejoice. Hallelujah. And even, you know, our natural fathers are a blessing from God our Father. It is His gift to us. Amen. Hallelujah. And we need to be thankful for it all. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Father, for this very special day that we remember you.